last week's two-parter, so we're running it back. Another, I don't know, 14 rankings changes based on everything that happened in preseason week two, the film, the usage, the stats, all of it. And Hayden, it's about time. It's about time that things are really shifting in fantasy football land. I just want to throw a couple ADPs at you of things that like have switched over the last few weeks. Okay. In just the last seven days, Ezekiel Elliott's jumped up 28 spots. Deuce Vaughn, 22 spots. Tank Dell, 20 spots. Luke Musgrave, 18 spots. And the opposite of that, Greg Dulcich, Kendra Miller, John Mechie have at least dropped about 15 spots in ADP on Underdog Fantasy. We'll get to many more throughout mm-hmm. the show. And if you want more on Underdog Network, I went over the top 20 and top uh, bottom 20 risers and fallers from this entire offseason to learn some things about contract, knowing understanding contracts matters now the preseason, knowing what context matters in the preseason. So we got you covered on the channel. We absolutely do. Cannot wait again to dive into the film, into the usage, and put it all together to try to put pieces of the puzzle in order for you to have a better draft. And we kick it off with one of the players I could not stop drafting all summer. It's Darren Waller. I mean, this is what I expected since May. And now for the first time we saw it put into practice in a Brian Dayball or Mike Kafka offense, where he was thoroughly involved in the first three snaps, all passing plays in his direction. And it just continued on from there. Hayden. Yeah, this was so sick to actually see this on the field. It's been a while since we've seen a healthy Darren Waller, but they've managing his reps in practice. He's dominating every single time he goes out there. And like this play right here, that's a three by one set. It's isolation against the corner and just too big, too strong, too physical, too good. So he's, it wouldn't be, not be surprised if he had an absolutely ridiculous target share on this team. They want to scheme him up the ball. He basically is their number one wide receiver. The downside risk is he's still older. He's still coming off of a lot of injuries that he's had uh, to play through. But right now, he is very good, and he's on the field. We've talked about how to draft tight ends all offseason, where either you go for the Kelsey, Mark Andrews, someone might – put TJ Hawkinson in that category, then just avoid the middle sections of draft and then maybe do the Dr. Frankenstein approach with a bunch of these guys are going to play every single snap towards the end with the thought process being, okay, if he's not a focal point of the passing game, if he's not going to get a bunch of targets and a bunch of touchdowns, why kind of go through that week to week struggle Mm -hmm. of that gray area? You know this, and I'm going to say it once again, this has been the player I've made the exception for since he was the tight end nine. And now in underdog drafts and maybe your home leagues too, he's going as a tight end four ahead of George Kittle at this moment. And I think it's still warranted. I think it's still warranted and I'm willing to take him there because I, I, I do want to talk through this. Again, this is the first snap. We see this little motion and then it's almost a downfield angle route that is against zone coverage, easy completion. As you said, next snap, this is a one by three set against J.C. Horn, a former top 15 overall mm-hmm. pick at the top of his route. He's just too big, shoves him to the ground. And then we get a gain of, I don't know, 17 yards. Then the third play, heavy play action off of 12 personnel looks. And it's just one Jalen Hyatt down at the bottom. And we'll talk about him in a moment to take and create a bunch of space underneath. And who fills that underneath void? It is Darren Waller. A great hit dislodges the ball. And then we get down into, you know, goal line situations too, because I know he didn't, you know, score the touchdown here. But what Darren Waller did do was push in 12 personnel the coverage away from then Daniel Bellinger, who's able just to release and walk into the end zone. This is focal point of the passing game stuff. Yes. And this was their biggest investment into take the Giants offense to the next level. And I don't see how this does not sustain unless there is an injury. And I'm not in the market, despite someone like Darren Waller predicting injuries for this season. His injury odds are the, the highest uh, uh, among them. But I will say I, I have him as my tight end for as well. I moved George Kittle down. George Kittle, by the way, we haven't really talked about this. He has the same groin injury that he had last year, and he's a little bit older than we expect. Kyle Pitts working through his own injury. So I do think there's a sweet spot for Darren Waller, like you said, ahead of the other mid-tier tight ends and in redraft leagues i don't mind getting kind of into this tier um because you can't frankenstein the weeks you actually put up the players in your starting lineup but i do think waller when he's on the field we will be wanting him in our starting lineup he is the first pick of the sixth round right now in our dog going around the likes of tyler lockett chris godwin alexander madison a quarterback and trevor lawrence the ceiling is super high like a 
tied in overall three season, heck, maybe even tied in two overall season only behind Travis Kelsey. I, I think that is in the range of outcomes for Darren Waller this year. Mm-hmm. Giants wanted to happen, that's for sure. I'm, I'm just so glad that everyone now gets to see the vision that, you know, with Sean Syed, we even did an entire video just on this focal point, and we haven't even seen the stuff inside of the red zone. Like, again, and maybe this can just dovetail straight into our Jalen Hyatt conversation. Please. The low A dot, small explosive play numbers that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable had last year was because they had to do that. They had no playmakers. That's not how they wanted to be offensively. Now that they do, we're already seeing a offensive coordinator, a passing game that accentuates the quarterback mobility that, you know, runs out of a ton of personnel groupings. And now they have like pillar pieces where we've seen it with Darren Waller. And now what we're starting to see is putting Jalen Hyatt into situations where his skill set shines because they don't have anyone else like that on the field. Yeah, such a clear-cut vision for him. He was in the slot on this uh, long touchdown. The safety had no idea what was coming. He plays so fast. So Jalen Hyatt, I don't think, is going to be a week one starter, though he is getting on the field in some groupings, like he was on that one snap where he was the only wide receiver. But to me, he's going to be a vertical slot, and he's going to play that flanker role. His snaps are going to come at the expense of guys like Paris Campbell, who's only a slot wide receiver, eventually maybe Darius Slayton. But right now, Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins are your full-time players. Jalen Hyatt's trying to work his way into earning more snaps. But the training camp buzz recently has been very strong with him, and it's very cool to see his pros on the tape being away from the line of scrimmage, being away from press man coverage, actually being in the game plan from Dayball, that's not a surprise. Dayball is such a good coach, but you can see how Daniel Jones could take a pretty big leap as a passer, and the rushing yards is already there. He's my favorite non-elite quarterback in fantasy right now, and quite frankly, it's not even close. I would not be surprised if Daniel Jones has another top 80 type of season and he gets drafted like in the hundreds. Rich Rebar's son is a big Daniel Jones fan, and so I was joking okay. with him prior coming on to the show for you know the five players he can't stop drafting. Couldn't believe that Daniel Jones wasn't a part of that. And his reasoning was he has the most difficult passing schedule to face this season among any quarterbacks. I don't know how much you put into stuff like that in terms of preseason projections of defenses when that side of the ball isn't sticky. To me, I never do. I really never do. So maybe my brain just isn't big enough to comprehend that because my conclusion is the same one as you where we're about to see not even not just like the mobility that we saw last year, but another layer on top of it where, you know, I think this team only scored a handful of touchdowns outside the 20 yard line last season. My actual problem with Daniel Jones is the rushing numbers from last year. I don't think are sustainable. If the passing game is better, I think he will have to run less. And that kind of like takes away from some of the ceiling potential. Cause I don't think they want Daniel Jones to run as much as he did. Um, I absolutely love, like you said, this long touchdown because it's exactly what we saw at Tennessee, but then put onto the field at the NFL level where he motioned into the slot here. You know, Tyrod Taylor recognizes that this is going to be a blitz from the left side and they're going to drop, I believe, from the right side here. Yep. And so all that you get, we talked about it in his profile, runways, one-on-one versus a safety, and you have no chance. You have no chance in that department. It's a great throw by Tyrod under pressure, and that's easy pickings. And so, again, this goes back to, hey, with Jalen Hyatt, there were, to me, obvious questions in his profile. But now, like, it doesn't matter because he wasn't a first-round pick. He's not going to have to play and do things that he doesn't do well. And I'm excited to be seeing him in an offense that is going to allow him to thrive on the areas where his game already wins, if that makes sense. It's actually gotten worse. The numbers I checked now in the last 28 days, everyone who watches the channel, only about 30% of you who are subscribed. So if you're part of the 30%, we thank you. If you want to join that 30% club, hit that subscribe button down below. We have some incredible content towards the end of this week that is geared towards specific platforms that you play on and how you can beat them and dominate your friends. That's a little tease. Okay, next up. Najee Harris versus Jalen Warren, or maybe should it be Jalen Warren versus Najee Harris? Seven first team snaps split between these two teams, these two running backs. Najee got five, Jalen Warren got 70, got two, but more importantly, he checked in for a third and seven, then stayed in on the next play, which was a first and 10, and he scampers for a simple 62 yard touchdown. 
Yeah, I think this is going to be the same rotation as it was last year where Jalen Warren was playing on the passing downs, and then there's a chance that Jalen Warren plays more in the season at the expense of Najee Harris. Though I will say Matt Canada, after this game, went out and said, unquestioned starter, Najee's the guy. We're just making sure he's on the field for week one. We want Najee to be our unquestioned starter. So I think this is going to be a Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler type of situation where we keep yelling, play him more, play him more, play him more, play him more. And then Matt Cannon is going to be like, whatever. I don't want to draft Najee Harris, though. Like, he's, no. he's I have like, as my running back 20, I would draft him in the fifth round. He goes in like round three or four almost every single time. I don't want to buy that price. I'm fine with where Jalen Warren goes. He's he showed a little bit more speed here, or Poyer's completely cooked. Can't tell which one, but Jalen Warren could play. The difference in where they're going in your drafts is staggering. Najee Harris is going as the running back 13 in the fourth round. Jalen Warren is going as the running back 43 in the 11th round. This is not hyperbole to say that Najee Harris literally can't do this. He can't do this. His longest run in the NFL is up 34 yards. We talked about it on both of the shows that we did about players that we want to fade in every single round. If you combine the last two years, so not just when Najee was injured last year, Najee Harris is 60th in percentage of his carries that went for 10 plus yards. 60th among all running backs across the league. Now, to the other part of this, we also need to figure out how these coaches think of these players. And I think you nailed it. Jalen Warren's being typecasted like we've seen with so many in the past. Austin Eckler is probably the most recent example with Melvin Gordon until he was able to escape that and claim like the top running back job. Week one, I'm totally with you. Najee Harris is going to be the dude unless something happens from now until then. But man, I, I don't think if the Steelers want to win and if the Steelers who seemingly have taken a jump, I think this offseason with how successful this offense is going to be, yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep not a Jalen Warren off the off the field. I agree. I think the Steelers want to be this kind of balanced offense, but man, I think that Kenny Pickett could play. And if they yes. if they have the wide receivers take a leak like George George Pickens does, Fryermuth with a great play. That that Pickett play that seam ball back shoulder to Fryermuth. I mean Kenny Pickett could play. And he's actually a fun player to watch. So go go watch him Kenny Pickett but I'm with you that this could this team should if they want to win football games lean more pass heavy get Najee Harris off the field a little bit more. I just don't think Matt Cannon is actually going to make enough of those chances to where we can make this a bigger thing than what it actually is. Yeah, that, that Kenny Pickett ball to Pat Frymuth down the pipe mm -hmm. uh, versus cover two. The linebacker was trailing him, puts it behind his back shoulder. Pat Frymuth brings back the dab here in 2023. <laughs> uh, you know my thoughts on yeah. Kenny Pickett. Um, I don't think I've seen a player take a larger leap uh, from year one to year two so far this preseason than what Kenny Pickett's doing through two preseason mm -hmm. games. It's, it's in a small, you know, mm -hmm. grouping that we've seen so far, but uh, he's in total command. And great hair, too. <laughs> Javante Williams has returned. He's going as the running back 23 in the seventh round. Um, Samaje Pirine, I believe I have him listed as the running back. Is it 39 or 29? Yeah. 39. 39. And that's in the 10th round. So in Javante's first action since returning from a multiple ligament knee injury, which, man, incredible. He's already playing in preseason games. Shout out to him, yeah. He, he played 12 snaps to Samaje Pirine's five on first and second down, while then Pirine played six of the seven third down snaps. It's what we expected. It's what Samaje Piran does. I think that Javante hopefully will have the Joe Mixon role and Samaje will play this classic. That was like third and six, third and four, third and 12, third and two. It didn't matter what the third down situation was. Samaje Piran would play. And then you'd also play some early down touches. Javante Williams didn't do much to me on tape. They got him out in the screen game a little bit, a couple of check downs here and there. There wasn't like a couple of plays where I was like, oh my God, his knee looks pathetic. There also, also wasn't anything too flashy from him. All I know is I think Sean Payton wants to run the ball pretty effectively, play really slow. It's all what the offseason additions have been indicating to me. So I think I'm okay with Javante Williams. I don't want to put too much ahead of this just because the history on these type of knee injuries are what they are. It's just really tough for these guys to get out there. So awesome to see him out there already, but uh, I'm not going to like chase him up the boards now. I almost think the Javante Williams conversation is more of like a Denver Broncos conversation because yes, they are going to run the football a lot. We're already seeing, you know, Sean Payton's influence on this team or maybe his perceived thoughts on 
who the Broncos can be with Russell Wilson at quarterback, where I think they're going to run a ton of 12 personnel. And heck, we've even seen some 22 personnel mm-hmm. on top of that. Yeah, going at running back 23 again in the seventh round, Javante is just going to have to be like maybe the most highly efficient runner in the NFL now in order to reach, I don't know, top 15, top 12 running back ceiling. Because that's mm-hmm. why you're drafting guys in, in the 20s, right? Thinking that they can exceed that point because he's just simply not going to be a three-down player with Samaj P. Ryan on the field. It's really that simple. Yeah, and their offense has looked like a little bit of a mess uh, through two preseason games. Yeah, talk games. about that. So, yeah. I mean, well, it just seems like there's like been offensive line issues. It seems like Russ had a good scramble, but other times has looked a little bit disjointed. The offensive line could be problematic as it was last year. So I think there's like a lot of things to solve. The only notes I had, Greg Dulcich still playing um, not in uh, a 12 personnel uh, not playing in 11 personnel as much as you would want him to. And that's even with Chris Mannerts uh, not on the field. So I think really to, for me, it's like I'll draft some Jerry Judy. I'll draft some Cortland Sutton. And if one of these guys falls in ADP, maybe, but I don't have a lot of optimism in Denver. To put a little context to that, um, Marvin Mims played for the first time in the preseason. He immediately came in as the third wide receiver on this team. He did not play the slot. He pushed Jerry Judy into the slot, which is noteworthy considering slot weapons that you know Sean Payton has had in the past. But if Greg Dulcich, who played a little bit of 11 personnel stuff to start this game in terms of one single tight end sets, but those mostly were other than like one blocking assignment, like four wide. Um, yeah. I made this joke on Twitter, but the Venn diagram of people who love Greg Dulcich and love Marvin Mims is basically like an eclipse. Yeah. And I think if everything stays the same, they are just going to take snaps away from each other because mm-hmm. with how Sean Payton is utilizing Adam Troutman right now, I don't think Greg Dulcich is going to be out there unless it's like a pure two tight end set, unless they go four wide. And then obviously Marvin Mims, unless something happens to Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, is only going to be out there in three wide receiver sets. So they're just going to be fighting for snaps all season long. And it's not valuable snaps. It's harder to earn a target when there's four or five legit route runners out there. So I think we're all just going to keep going to Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Uh, on a team that we expect to run the football a lot because while Russ did look leaner by about 15 pounds and running around the field quite a bit, let's go to another debut, the Atlanta Falcons, and specifically Bijan Robinson. Didn't start. What would you think of Bijan? I mean, Bijan looked amazing. He had a sick play uh, in the pass game and in the ground game. Like, he just looks so damn explosive out there and it was one of my favorite plays of the preseason this this run it was so perfectly blocked from the guard to the center to the opposite tight end it was just amazing out there and that's what you should get with arthur smith he played 12 of 17 first team snaps which was more than what i was expecting and a little bit scary for somebody that just called Bijan the guy i'm fading in the first round um <laughs> but at the same time desmond ritter missed a bunch of passes got bailed out by kyle pitts and Bijan Robinson at times. So I think we know what this offense is going to be very efficient on the ground. There will be a little bit of a rotation here. And I think that the ceiling is capped because of the quarterback play. But even with bad quarterback play last year, the Falcons offense was very much watchable. Let's talk about some of that usage. And I'm just excited to see what Bijan does. This obviously wasn't like indicative of how he's going to be used. I think once the season gets going, but one that maybe is more indicative of that is the tight end usage because Cal Pitts didn't play as many snaps as Mike Allen's and Drake London. And this is my fear where no doubt this team can, and Cal Pitts specifically can create explosive plays but here seeing 17 quote unquote first team snaps. We're getting three tight ends on the field in Cal Pitts, Michael Pruitt, Johnu Smith. And there were times early on when Pitts was in 11 personnel, then he went off the field. And I kind of thought in my head, well, he's injured. They were slow playing him, but then he came back a bit later on. And it just wasn't the gimmies. He wasn't getting gimmies. And we've talked about this a lot on, you know, he was one of the players I'm fading at his cost right now. Um, we need the touchdowns and we need gimmies because, yes, vertical shots are highly efficient. No, excuse me, not efficient, but they are highly sought after for us because they earn fancy points. I don't want that, dude. I really don't want that in Cal Pitts. I want him to be out there in all personnel groupings. And it feels like, as we discussed, Drake London is the guy. And they're still trying to figure out the optimal use of Cal Pitts. 
I still think there's a chance that while this does look like last year's issues, and that certainly is a concern that this was them just getting his feet underneath him because of that injury. Um, and I was just happy to see him actually out there. Um, but yeah, this is, this is one of the volatile situations. It will not be a surprise if Kyle Pitts is not a full-time player next year. And really regarding what I was saying, again, he is going around that like tight end five, six, seven, depending on what draft you're in. If I'm going to invest in one of those middle tight ends, it needs to be gold standard usage. Like what we saw with Darren Waller. The usage could not be more different. And I highly doubt we ever get Darren Waller-like usage that we just saw from Kyle Pitts this season. Where, hey, three straight plays are basically schemed up to him. And Drake London, Bijan, I think have, again, eclipsed him in terms of importance on the scene. Whereas, again, Darren Waller is the dude on that mm-hmm. team. Yeah, Does that I make sense? I think so, except there's just like maybe you don't want to miss out. I get it. You don't want to miss out chance where Kyle Pitts just goes nuclear. But I, I am with you. The baseline, like in redraft, I I have less excitement in best ball at a decreased ADP. I have mixed him in a little bit. All right, let's review some of the conclusions we made last week based on new information that has mm-hmm. come around for this week, and we'll start that in Philadelphia with the Eagles backfield. Uh, after going through and making a couple phone calls and you know listening to the great Bo Wolf on the Athletic Football Show, I would be stunned if DeAndre Swift does not get the first carry when the season starts this year. Um, we know that he played last week along with Rashad Penny, along with Trey Sermon. This week, he was the one that set out, but Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott are returning players, and they return to the lineup. Am I reading into that too much? No, I have the same conclusion. I have a little bit of a separation between DeAndre Swift, then Rashad Penny, and then Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell hasn't done enough to me on tape to warrant a different role than what he's had last year. I think he's going to be the two-minute drill back. I think Rashad Penny is going to have an early down role at some point, but I do think they're trying to make DeAndre Swift the guy. I think it's going to be a fat rotation. I don't think there will be a Miles Sanders in this offense. I think Swift and Rashad Penny are going to kind of divvy up the Miles Sanders role while Kenny Gainwell has the Kenny Gainwell role. And Rashad Penny had a couple of sweet carries, in my opinion. Still shows a lot of patience and burst. He did roll his ankle, his right ankle, and that's why he left early this game. Looked pretty minor to me, but he did definitely tweak it. I watched him um, not that that will delay anything, but I do think that there should be a little bit of separation between Swift and Rashad Penny now. Okay. Well, just to outline where all these players are going, DeAndre Swift is being drafted as a running back 28. Rashad Penny is being drafted as a running back 37. Kenny Gainwell is being drafted as the running back 48. You know, that goes all the way from Swift, who's being drafted in the seventh round, the last pick there, to Gainwell, who is all the way down in the 13th round. As crazy as it sounds, the one I am probably avoiding is Rashad Penny in that conversation. So, Bo, and look, I I linked the podcast on Twitter if you guys want to find it. These are his his exact quotes, and I heard the same thing from someone else, that he believes the Eagles want the running back one to be DeAndre Swift. But then he added on, I think what's going to happen in the end, Kenny Gainwell is going to end up playing the most because he is the most reliable. And then compared Terrell Edmonds, who is a safety or potentially maybe off the roster, either starting or off, to Rashad Penny. And he wouldn't be shocked if either of those dynamics happened for Rashad Penny because of the total lack of knowns in his contract. Yeah, I don't think that I'll be excited to start Rashad Penny in redraft while Swift is out there. But if Swift misses time, I don't think Kenny Gainwell can handle the, the load. I think it would be Rashad Penny out there. And I think there's definitely a chance that Rashad Penny is just better than Swift even if that's not how it looks right now. So I think in a redraft, it's he's definitely going to be a bench guy. Like when we do our week one rankings, I don't think I'll have a huge Rashad Penny ranking, but I do think yeah. there is some upside, some pass to get there still. Let's go to the Chiefs wide receiver conundrum because uh, it's another week and another question that gets thrown into it. And the easiest way to put this, Hayden, is 17 different Kansas City Chiefs caught a pass. How do you think this one played out and will play out? And I think nine of them were Patrick Mahomes passes. So it wasn't just like late later on. Uh, right now, the read is Skymore and MVS are the closest things we have to full-time players. And then everyone else mixes in. The caveat being is they've called Kadarius Tony the number one the entire time. And he's going to be in there sooner than later. So 
I don't have any of them ranked high. I have them all after wide receiver 55. Sky Moore's gotten way uh, priced up, but I don't know, man. I don't. I still haven't seen it much from Sky Moore. I think that Kadarius Tony's going to mix his way in there. So I guess you should draft, take a flyer on on them in best ball. But really, like, I don't see any of them standing out. And if I had to make a prediction on which one would have the best chance to stand out, to me, it would still be Kadarius. But that wouldn't happen for a while. So I'm I'm I haven't been drafting a whole bunch of them. Lots to hit on with the Buffalo Bills. I said on the show last week that I haven't done a 180 more on a single player this offseason than James Cook, and I'm even more so in. 14 of 16 first-team running back snaps. Latavius Murray only took two of those, and that was a second and 34 and a third and 29. And you can just, to me, throw those totally away. Some caveats to that. Damian Harris still misses time. And he's still not practicing to the point that they've brought Ty Johnson in. Um, I firmly believe we are getting three down player James Cook. And again, that's available at like the running back 19 or 20 at this moment. Do you think that will hold up when Damien's back? And do you think his size is going to, if he's going to be able to handle that workload moving forward? And the last thing he's, he's been an every down player. We have not seen goal line touches quite yet. Do you think like, this is one of these where it's like, I'm moving him up. Like the fact that he's playing all the snaps is a good thing. Like no denying that. Do I want to buy all the way up because of that? I'm still a little bit skeptical of the back of his size. Well, one, I don't think you have to buy all the way up. I even misspoke. He's running back 24. That's one spot behind Javante Williams. If you're asking me which one of these two players do I want on my team, James Cook is the easy answer. Now, it gets a bit more complicated when you throw in the likes of Dave Montgomery, who's almost certainly going to have a goal line role. James Conner, that we know is a three-down back in that team and catches a ton of passes too. But other than maybe David Montgomery, what does James Cook offer? An offense that's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. And then, again, not to rehash this conversation, a quarterback that has added checkdowns to his game a bit Mm -hmm. more often over the last two years. And a huge feather in the cap of James Cook was this awesome blitz pickup that he had this past weekend. Met a guy even in front of the hole, um, a blitzing linebacker, stonewalled him, even though that Deion Dawkins allowed a pressure from the backside. Yeah, I I think the team is maybe using this preseason as an audition for James Cook. And and he is checking all the boxes, even dating back to last week when they did give him that carry from about the 10-yard line, Mm -hmm. and he walked it into the end zone. Yeah, they were also testing Dalton Kincaid in the run game the previous week. They switched up how Dalton Kincaid was being a blocker. No Dawson Knox, so we didn't really learn anything about Dalton Kincaid, except he had a couple option routes, zone coverage, man coverage didn't really matter. Kincaid could play some some receiver. And then last Bill's note I had was uh, Khalil Shakur still is not in the starting lineup. It's Deontay. Yeah. And one final note, Joe Puscaglia, who covers the Bills for The Athletic, mentioned that Trent Sherfield, this team is in love with him. And it shows up during um, when you look at the snap counts and things because he and Deontay Hardy are playing well ahead of Khalil Shakur. Hardy's playing just in the slot. And Trent Sherfield is probably that outside wide receiver three. So if Stefan Diggs missed time or Gabe Davis misses time, it sounds like it's going to be Trent Sherfield out there as a starting wide receiver. And it won't matter. <laughs> and final note, and it doesn't, but yeah. again, people are still drafting Khalil Shakur out there. Um, right. Dalton Kincaid, I am with you where we still don't know about how the snap outcome is going to take place between him and Dawson Knox because he missed with this preseason. But we got a glimpse of what the usage might be like. And it was in some ways Darren Waller-esque in terms of, hey, either a linebacker is walking out in front of you and we're going to run the same pattern of an inside move or a safety is going to drop down you. And when the safeties rotate, boom, here's the pass to you again. The big question is, how often is that going to happen? Is he out there all the time? Is it 11 and a half personnel all the time? Is he going to be out there in single tight end sets? Or is it just like, hey, 52% of the time, Dalton Cade's on the field? All I know is this is going to be the year the rookie tight end discussion is completely busted as a narrative. These guys are playing. They're out they there. Playing. They are playing a lot with legitimate plans and roles mm-hmm. for a lot of them. Damien Pierce update. Oh, yes. This is the underdog football show. Damien Pierce does not come off the field, even in third and six, even in fourth and six. And why is that important? 
Nathan Yonke of PFF pointed out Damian Pierce took just eight snaps last season on third or fourth and six. He took two in those situations on the first drive alone for the Houston Texans this past weekend. Damian Pierce is an every down player, and it is insane to me that he is being termed a dead zone running back. I have him as the running back 12. I have him inside the top 40 in my latest rankings draft Damian Pierce. I, I don't, I don't see any flaws to his profile right now, by the way, Devin Singletary behind him is, is not looked very good to me on tape at all. Damian Pierce has flashed some. We know Damian Pierce breaks tackles. We know he runs hard. We know this offensive line is underrated and more importantly for Damian Pierce and his third down looks, CJ Stroud looked comfortable. So I, I might chalk up week one as jitters, NFL, reading things out. But no Laramie Tunsil, no Shaq Mason, no offensive line. Nothing from the receivers on top of that. He looked comfortable. Everything was on time. His eyes are going to the right spot. He is so accurate on the move while he's falling down, chase down, doesn't matter, getting hit. He is super accurate. CJ Stroud looked pretty damn impressive to me for somebody that had a very bad game previously if if this can go from the 32nd offense to the 26th offense that means damian pierce has a chance to sneak into the rb1 discussion i won't repeat this on every single show i will today the individual numbers for damian pierce were outstanding in terms of missed tackles force and even if if you just look at the raw rushing totals through week 10 i believe he was like fifth in the nfl in rushing yards seventh in total carries the issue was not Damian Pierce last year. It was the team where they scored 29 total touchdowns, which was yeah. second to worst in the NFL. The Houston Texans, even if you think they aren't going to be good, they're not going to score only 29 touchdowns this year when the offense especially is going to flow through Damian Pierce as mm-hmm. we've heard him talk about. And I just want to put into context what you said of Damian Pierce now being ranked as your running back 12. He's still going as running back 19 in the middle of the sixth round. Yeah. I think people just have not caught on to that. This team is the tide is going to raise and the situation that Damian Pierce is in. And they just see uh, Houston Texans running back. It's not going to work out for him this year. Yep. And every single time he's in the, the end zone twerking, I hope this year we'll be playing him on the underdog football. So he's our guy for this year. He, I, I think he really might be our, uh, our guy. And I, I love your point on CJ Stroud where it's so cool to see where players succeed at the college level and then that translating to the preseason, the placement in terms of the ball being on the face mask, in between the numbers, upfield, backside, shoulder, wherever it is, that really showed up in this case. And the Dolphins were like throwing a lot of shit at him. There was a couple plays where they would blitz on one side and drop the D end and then CJ started to have to move his eyes to the guy he wanted to throw to and then all the way back to the other side of the field, like, they were giving him things to diagnose and he didn't fully panic. The three starting wide receivers for the Houston Texans appear to be locked in at this moment where it is Nico Collins and Robert Woods. And then Noah Brown, who sat out, I believe the no, first week. he played, he played last week, then sat out, I believe this week. So that appears to be, Oh, it's flipped. Anyways, that appears to be the three wide receiver sets which is important to what I mentioned of Tank Dell being one of the three or four biggest risers over the last week. For now, he is not a starting wide receiver, but that can change extremely quick, especially because we have seen Tank Dell take snaps both in the slot and out wide. So that versatility with how they plan to use Robert Woods, I think is very meaningful. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. 
That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Speaking of rookies, Jonathan Mingo time. So where all of these Panthers wide receivers are going, and it has been kind of a disaster for the Panthers so far this preseason in terms of pass blocking, and it's only getting worse mm-hmm. for Iki Aquano. Uh, you are still having to draft Jonathan Mingo as the first Panthers wide receiver, but boy, is this symmetrical and beautiful. They go back to back to back on underdog right now as wide receiver 67, 68, and 69. Mingo showcased again what he did so well in college in the NFL crossing routes with the middle of the field, absorbing contact, and winning after the catch. Absorbing content is one way to put it. Running over somebody's face would be another way to do it. Um, I moved Mingo and Chark well ahead of Thielen. Chark and Thielen on tape, when I've been watching these guys in the end coverage, oh man, I think that Bryce Young's got some issues around him. And it's not necessarily his own fault, but Icky's had some actual reps where he just lost the reps. He's had some communication issues. It's not just the left tackle. The other uh, players have been losing some reps. I don't think Thielen and Chark have much left in the tank. I think Hayden Hurst is a well-rounded player, but doesn't flash anywhere. They need Mingo or Miles Sanders to really come out of nowhere because I don't see any of the other Panthers uh, really breaking through. So I fear that Bryce is going to be kind of running for his life and looking for somebody to throw the ball to. And hopefully Mingo has the skill set to make it work. But despite all that, aren't you seeing a lot from Bryce Young in terms of overcoming a lot of issues already, anticipation all of handling disruption, you know, trying right. to buy himself a little bit of time. Like this is a great example. Okay. This is what a third and 21. Yep. His left tackle immediately loses. And so in 2.55 seconds, Bryce is delivering an 18 yard reception to his tight end on a corner route. Yep. That's great. I'm with you. We've talked about a lot with offenses that, you know, can take the next step in our top half. They, there has to be at least like one player that helps them do that. And it seems like right now Bryce Young is devoid of that unless it is yeah. someone like Jonathan Mingo who takes that jump. I will say with Bryce, though. It's all difficult the, right now. It is. But the athleticism and scrambling stuff, you don't see that. You see him buying time. And it's exactly how he played at Alabama. You don't see that Kyler Murray X factor with him, except his anticipation and his accuracy and all that stuff is is as advertised. So it's just... I think it's just going to take a little bit of time because he needs players around him. They just don't have any. Let's talk about tight ends and specifically Chigo Quanquo, who's on the Tennessee Titans. Um, He's been an interesting topic. I don't know, man, since dating back to when drafts kicked off in May, because people love Chigo Quanquo. He was going as like the tight end 11, tight end 12 at that point, dropped now down to the tight end 17. What did you see from his usage this past week that either wants you to raise or lower that ADP? I mean, it's exactly what I thought it was. I have him buried in the rankings. I don't even want to say it um, because he gets drafted so high where I have him ranked. But he was not a full-time player. He was out there in three wide receiver sets, which is nice. He runs routes. They spread them, not uh, attached to the linemen. He dropped two of his targets, bad drops, and he gets subbed out in 12 and 13 personnel. And 12 and 13 personnel is one of the biggest parts of the Titans' offense. That's just how it is. So this is like buying the high prices of Jonu Smith when we know Jonu Smith can play in a very unique role that doesn't matter for fantasy football. I like Chig a lot more when DeAndre Hopkins didn't have a 20, 25% target share there. Now that he's third or maybe even fourth in the pecking order, I have not been loving his price tag. He's not a full-time player. He's just too small. They're going to use a fullback. It's going to be Wesco. It's this uh, uh, Mac kid. They have another uh, a rookie out there, big dude that's going to block. It's going to be a rotation out there. And I just don't think that Tandle's going to throw the ball to him that much and you also after you clicked sort by yards per route run on pff right. everybody you also have to regress all that yards after the catch that will not repeat so full fade i feel a little bit better about him because of this unfortunate trail on burke's injury because they arguably win in similar areas of the field but i just do not envision despite adding i don't know 12 to 15 whatever pounds for him to now be hey full-time chico Quanco because we didn't see that yeah. in this game Nope, there's no point in drafting him. Just draft Ferguson and Jawan Johnson and all those guys. Quick shout out to Tajay Spears. He is one of these players that we saw create on his own a lot 
at Tulane. And that explosiveness, that big playability immediately leapt off the screen. Uh, we saw another massive run and a massive gain where he dove over a linebacker in the lane. Uh, I'm super excited to see what Tajay Spears does, but we probably will not be able to see Tajay Spears in his full element unless something happens to Derrick Henry. But Hayden, I think people like you should be way more open to Tajay Spears as a one of the best running back handcuffs in best ball because if he gets a full-time role, like if Derrick Henry goes down, he is going to be the three-down player, in my opinion. Yeah. I have him as my running back 53, like right in that middle class of the insurance options. I'm with you. I think he had a couple good runs. He's healthy despite not having an ACL right now. I'm I'm totally fine with Ty J Spears, especially as some of the other guys like Tank Bigsby's like graduated from like the insurance only types. Like he goes well ahead of this tier. I'd rather just stick in this kind of Ty J Spears tier. He's going as running back 55. So you are directly in line with ADP. That's at 172 overall. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just to go through some running backs that are going above that, Jeff Wilson, I understand. Devin I Singletary. I'm taking Tajay Spears over Devin Singletary now. Yeah, I, I think because I have him. For the right ceiling outcomes, you know? Yeah. That's exactly in the same range of where Zamir White and Kendra Miller. He's going after Roshan Johnson. Why don't we just go to the Chicago Bears right now and Roshan Johnson? Does that work Hit with me. you? Yep. Okay. Because we are still trying to pick up pieces of information. This is what preseason is all about. Khalil Herbert did not play. Deontay Foreman got the entire first quarter. Roshan Johnson got the entire second quarter. Roshan Johnson still looks good, but at best, currently, this makes him the running back three on the depth chart. But Hayden, I'm not one of these people that thinks like Deontay Foreman's a great talent. I think we could easily see him supplant Deontay Foreman, but that's where it stops with me. I'm not at the point where I can say that Roshan is going to eclipse Khalil Herbert as a running back one for this team. I think we are going to eventually get to the drive the rotation by drive that we saw last year and i think it's going to be way messier i can see this going drive to drive to drive wow. so not even I, just two for one yeah I, I think i'll start with khalil getting most of the work i don't think that khalil is so good that he's definitely going to keep deonta and roshan johnson out of the way we saw this by drive though not by role last year we'll see I don't think we've learned all that much with even like the Khalil Herbert. He played the first six snaps. He scored a touchdown. They pulled him. It's not like he like played 15 straight snaps. Like we, I think. Well, he's but then they rest him here with all the other starters as well. Right. Uh, and then Roshan was getting some first team reps in practice after the yeah. last game. So I don't know. Now Roshan was awesome in passing situations at Texas. Argue that arguably that's where Khalil Herbert's at his worst. When people love a player like Roshan, they like really latch on to him. Mm -hmm. And I think we I think we have learned that Khalil Herbert is the dude for this team. I think we have as an other down runner. And it would be surprising if we see them like change up their usage of that, if that makes sense. Let's go to Jacksonville. Tank Bigsby, speaking of roles, is trying to earn more of one with the ones, uh, we do not know that because Jaguars decided not to play any of their starters, but Tank Bigsby dominated the usage, including five carries in his opening eight snaps. Last week, we saw a rotation of him and Jermichael Hasty get a couple snaps here or there from Travis Etienne, but this one, in almost every scenario, down in distance, pure passing downs, they kept Tank Bigsby in the ballgame. Does that tell you anything? I thought this was a showcase game and I thought he played really well. There was some nice cutback lanes on some of these outside zone carries. He looked pretty explosive. He's got a stocky enough build where he can handle the usage. I think we're taking it a little bit too far that he's actually going to take Travis Etienne off the field all that much. And I do think that Jermichael Hasty will play passing downs. Like, so I'm fine with Tank Bixby, but he's to me, he's a early down insurance play. He's nothing more than that. You're not starting him. If you are starting Tank Bigsby in your league, you're pretty much effed. And if something happens ETN, then I think he's the same exact pick as like some of these other early down guys like Tyler Algier and these guys where if the starter goes down, now we have some interest. But until then, doesn't really matter too much. But he did look good. Uh, I'll slightly disagree with you where you think he's just going to be an early down player. Um, 
and maybe I'm reading into preseason usage a bit, but there was a third and eight, then there was a third and 18, a second and 11 where he split out wide. He stayed in for another second and 12 and another second and 14. Mm-hmm. Again, in preseason week one, we saw Jermichael Hasty step into those situations for Travis Etienne. Like you said, I think it was an audition, a showcase game to see if Tank Bigsby can hold up in those scenarios. Because, you know, even though they brought back Jermichael Hasty, they probably believe that Tank Bigsby is a, you know, more talented football yeah. player. And I will also push back on the idea he was just an early down handcuff. As we have talked about, if Travis Etienne, who we both believe is going to probably get the first opportunity in goal line situation, if he does fail, then I think the easy replacement for that is going to be Tank Bixby. So I think he can be more than just these early down opportunities. Yep. I feel that we're going to adjust the ADP and look back and be like, wow, he was the running back 38. That seems a little bit aggressive. Hmm. Uh, just to, again, put a note on where he's going, running back 40 right now, that is the early parts of round 11. And going after Rashad Penny, Devon A-Chain, Samaje P. Ryan, but ahead of Jamal Williams, Jarek McKinnon, and Jalen Morin. After a conversation with Jalen Morin, probably want to take him ahead of Wartang. Yes, Gis. 100%. Okay, next up. Let's talk about Devon A-Chain and the Miami Dolphins running backs because Devon A-Chain continued to work as the fifth running back on this roster. Raheem Mostert did play. Jeff Wilson did not play. Salvin Ahmed, Miles Gaskin after getting a lot of work the last weeks. Anyways, I don't even know if it matters because A-Chain then goes down with an AC shoulder injury and is going to miss at least a couple of weeks. So Hayden, his price tag again, as running back 38, you have called it the most uh, outlandish of all of draft season. It's insulting to me. I have him as my running back 63. I have him like as a last round pick. If you're desperate, I move Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert way up. Jeff Wilson's making more than Raheem Mostert. He's younger than Raheem Mostert. He's bigger than Jeff or bigger than Mostert got more usage than Mostert last year. I want Jeff Wilson. My goal, every single draft I do the rest of this time on underdog, I'm drafting Jeff Wilson. Devon Achain, he didn't play punt gunner last week. He was returning kicks. Maybe that is enough to make him not a healthy and active early on, but Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddle can return kicks if Achain's injury or performance isn't up to par. He's buried right now. And like, to me, you can make an argument that his size is working against his injuries. You know, like if he was bigger, does his AC joint hurt as much? I don't know. But more importantly than that, Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed have been awesome this preseason. I know nobody cares and it's against backups. And like, this isn't to say that these guys are going to ha- have a big role, but I don't think it's a layup that H is just going to pass Miles Gaskin in Salvin Ahmed. They've both looked amazing. So maybe it's a good thing that the Dolphins didn't go after Dalvin Cook because I thought all of these guys mixing together have looked pretty good. But I think going back to last year, Jeff Wilson's my favorite pick of the bunch, and I will not draft any A-chain. Jeff Wilson going as the first pick of the 15th round again as running back 53. Raheem Mostert later part of round 12 as running back 47. And again, circling back to Devon A-chain running back 38 at the early parts of round 10. I think it's going to be a successful rushing game too. Like what we've seen so far is it it was unsuccessful last year, but I believe this team understands that in order to stick among a top five, top six, they can't just rely on Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle like they did for the first eight weeks of last season. They have to have something else and it's going to be these running backs. Yep. Completely agree. Pete Carroll loves Zach Charbonnet. Uh, This is, I think you put in Slack over the weekend. Tell me why. What do you show you? Uh, Well, he had that one long run, but to be honest, it wasn't that impressive of a run. It was a wide open lane. He scampered around. uh, I'm guessing Kenneth Walker houses that, but he just knows ball. I just know that about Charbonnet. And that's what Pete Carroll, the quote was all about. It was just that they love him. He's instinctual. They think he's powerful. They also think he has soft hands. It's exactly what we talked about if you watch our Zach Charbonnet video going back to UCLA. So I think he's, he's going to be a good player. He's going to be the, the passing down option. And if something happens to Kenneth Walker, I think Charbonnet has bell cow traits. He did that at UCLA. And I want a shit ton of Zach Charbonnet in all my best ball drafts. His, his ceiling is wow. very impressive. I also want to mention, I did move Kenneth Walker up because as Najee has some issues, ETN has some issues. 
other players, Brees Hall has some issues. Kenneth Walker, the only issue is, is that Charbonnet is in there. But like to me, Kenneth Walker back at practice, I also think has a bunch of ceiling because this offense is going to be sick. So give, give me both of these guys. Zach Charbonnet, middle of the ninth round, running back 35. And for you, Kenneth Walker, uh, middle part of round five, running back 17, sandwiched in between Aaron Jones and Alexander Madison. It is insane, the offensive pieces that the Seattle Seahawks have. I mean, yeah. we can talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba now, who saw a little bit more outside wide receiver work this week than he did last week, which will help him if something happens to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett that'll step yeah. into two wide receiver sets because this team will run like they did last year, a bunch of two tight end sets. Um, the exact same thing where he creates a long play but then gets caught from behind, a la that Penn State game. I mean, literally the exact same thing. But but Jason's the man. Like, all yeah. these guys are good and just draft Geno Smith. It's funny. It's funny that like all the things that we talked about off the college tape is like literally what keeps happening in the preseason. So it's like the classic trait that Jason like they they blame they said that he had Chipotle for lunch and that's why he didn't score. <laughs> I'm not like I'm that's not a bit. Like that's what like the Seahawks thought. It's pretty just not yet. that fast. All right, let, let's go through uh some rapid fire stuff. We'll go quickly with the New England Patriots. Um Ramondre Stevenson got the goal line work. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was dressed but did not play. And the other note I had for the Patriots is their three wide receivers are Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Kendrick Bourne. Yes. And Kendrick Bourne looked awesome. He did. He had a couple of good plays, was a beneficiary of some RPOs, and that was my main note with the Patriots is Mac Jones, his quick release, called it. pre-snap, accuracy, built for RPOs. That's why he was a first-round pick. That's why he had some success as a rookie. Give me more of those, and we can move the chains. The Patriots, I think, this year will move the chains. Will they have explosives? I don't think so, just the way that they operate in their skill players. But I think that Mac Jones could move the chains, which means more receptions for everybody. Ron Stewart, friend of the channel, posted that in a draft this morning, he was able to get Ramondre Stevenson <laughs> at the 44th overall pick. Damn. Have y'all lost your minds? How is Ramondre Stevenson allowed to be in like the middle of the fourth round. How? Yeah, I was just like, I was on Twitter ranting about the, I think we've overblown Zeke's short yardage effectiveness. These were just carries from the guard or the center inside between the tackles carries. Ramondre Stevenson beats him in yards per attempt, yards after contact per attempt, missed tackles force per attempt, first downs per attempt. Between the tackles rushing, even with a worse offensive line, Ramondre is way better than Zeke. At the goal line, converts it. I think he's just going to get all the goal line stops. We've, I think we've overrated the situation. 17 Green Bay Packers snaps also means 17 Luke Musgrave snaps. Uh, I know ball. Do, I don't know what to tell you. I just know so much ball. Luke Musgrave is the man. He had, they scored a rushing touchdown because of his blocking. They also scored a passing touchdown where he was isolated, hung in there on that Jaden Reed touchdown. So not, it's not just the snaps and the routes and the targets, which he's dominating. He's actually blocking. I can see him being like maybe a pro bowler or something. I think like his ceiling is way too high. Then like Wait. no like nobody's nobody gives him credit for like what exactly they might have found with Luke Musgrave. Yeah. And again, this is a different type of rookie. There are no veteran roadblocks in front of him. People mentioned in their write-ups I saw Josh Deguara. He's a fullback. He's not even a tight end. Yeah. Like Luke Musgrave now has vaulted up to round 15. It should be higher. We've talked to, I mean, he should be going ahead of Greg Dulcich. Do you know where I have him over? Guess where I have him overall in my rankings right now. Overall or as the tight end number? Give me both. Um, I bet as a tight end, you have him as the tight end 12. I have him as a tight end 14, 119th overall. I have Higby, Fryermuth, Kincaid, Musgrave all lumped in right together. Jordan Love showing some pizzazz mm -hmm. a little bit. There's still some negative plays, but like, I don't know how much the Packers are going to throw. Um, yeah. It probably, and the offense just looks quite different. It's not just, you know, flat routes, quick out of his hands. Like these are actual, like, again, run heavy concepts with lots of, um, lots of action in the opposite way and then misdirection. And then you get these layers, you know, Jaden Reed on a crosser, Luke Musgrave on a crosser. It's going to be fun to watch. This team is, has got some dudes. Do you think Christian Watson, the like assumption early on that he he's competing with nobody for targets? If Jaden Reed's actually a player, if Romeo Dobbs actually can play, and Luke kind of looks like a play, player, like all of a sudden, like Chris, that like target share that we were dreaming about, it's like 
not exactly there for Christian Watson. I moved him down a little bit. Okay. Interesting. No comment. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, Rico Dowdle started uh, instead of Malik Davis. He can't play. Um, Malik's not good. That's why. I think. Yet they are still sticking with these backs behind Tony Pollard. I moved after your comment from the last show. I moved Tony Pollard 12th overall. Yep. He should be a first rounder. And speaking of guys that have really vaulted up, Calvin Ridley is now a second round pick over on our back. Finally, Josh Downs played early on. No other Colt starters played. I thought Isaiah McKenzie wasn't going to play because he was the slot wide receiver this past week and on the end of a bunch of RPO looks from Anthony Richardson. I believe then he checked into like the second and third quarter. So I think Josh yeah. Downs has just completely supplanted him as a team slot wide receiver. I'm not investing in that, but just something to keep in mind with mm-hmm. quote unquote starters out there. Um, you want to go through some random notes? Yeah, I have just a couple. Joshua Kelly started over Isaiah Spiller. Both of them played pretty well for Austin Eckler's backup. Uh, I moved Lamar Jackson up to my quarterback, too. We have Bateman healthy. We have Zay Flowers uh, looking good in camp. There's been positive stuff from Odell Beckham. I'm thinking Lamar Jackson might be an absolute smash. I moved him ahead of Mahomes and Josh Allen. Brock Purdy. Uh, looked back, uh, looked pretty good in his return to the lineup. Lots of Mickey Mouse dropbacks, play action, bootleg, all that stuff in the flats. Debo Samuel stuck out on film to me and very explosive. They're getting him the rock. I thought Sam Darnold played pretty well. I'll save that for another podcast. Uh, and then my last note, Desmond Ritter just missing a lot of passes, but I think that he's going to be fine because these guys, the catch radius in Atlanta is out of control. Well, they're all been tested. Kyle Pitts had to catch one away from his body. Drake yeah. London fully extended. Bijan Robinson had to do a one-hander. Um, a few random notes for me. We have not seen David Montgomery through two preseason games yet. Mm-hmm. And so we still don't know exactly. I mean, reading between the lines, I think they're going to use him heavily. So I think that not seeing him is still allowing you to get a discount yes. on David Montgomery, uh, Russell Gage of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost for the season. He was going to be their starting slot wide receiver. Does this change anything for you with uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin dynamic? I think Chris Godwin will probably play a little bit more snaps in the slot than I was expecting, which is, I guess, is a good thing for him. Um, but it doesn't really move the needle too much for me. Chris Evans was written up as a passing down starter by a beat writer, which we have not seen Travion Williams. They have not brought in a veteran yet. We don't know if Joe Mixon is just going to inherit more of that, but that did stick out to me because um, we know that that passing down starter role has been successful in the past with Samaj P. Ryan. Arguable if Chris Evans is as talented as Samaj P. Ryan. I still am mixing in Travion Williams. I think that there's a chance. I have two last notes. Cooper Cup, hamstring, plans to practice this week. Love to see that. And then Quentin Johnson, he was the only starter for the Chargers to play. He was playing with the second-team offense. He made some catches, but if you go watch the tape, every single time he catches the ball, it's off of his chest. It's a narrative. I know drops are overrated. Keep yelling at me about Jamar Chase in the preseason. It's the same structural issue that I saw on tape, and that's why I think they're trying to give him the ball in all these reps. I think it's a bad thing that they're, they're, they're making sure that he can do this. I have him as outside of my top 50 wide receivers. Josh Palmer still not playing in the preseason for good reason. Like mm-hmm. they are basically keeping him out with the starters like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Okay, a couple more, and then we'll get out of here. Um, Kendra Miller, as we talked about on last week's show, was supposed to be out for multiple <laughs> weeks because of a sprained knee. He then immediately starts the next preseason game. I don't yeah. know if he's Wolverine, but then he also lays out for an awesome catch. Looks great in pass pro. Nick Underhill says for Kendra Miller's first exposure to blitz pickup, it couldn't have gone any better. And it might be the key to getting him on the field early in the season. Um, Maybe we should have spent more time on this. Jamal Williams should be looking around his shoulder if Kendra Miller is healthy because those first three games, Kendra is just more explosive and probably a better player than Jamal Williams is. Underhill and Triplett, uh, they have the, the, New Orleans dot football. They had predictions like on like who should be the fantasy player to draft. Underhill said Alvin Kamara. Triplett said Juwan Johnson. There you go. Um, Zonovan Knight could be headed for a cut with the New York Jets. Uh, Keontae Ingram looks like the Cardinals second running back. To me, that does not matter. Um, Ty Chandler is getting a ton of run for being the clear backup running back to Alexander Madison. 36 snaps this past weekend after getting a ton of work in preseason week one. Kind of makes me do a little bit of this to see if he's yeah. proved. I mean, that's a ton of work. That's a, lot. a ton of preseason work 
And then uh, finally, I thought Cedric Tillman played much better this past weekend for the Cleveland Browns. Um, I know that Marquise Goodwin's been dealing with a injury or an illness, um, but Cedric Tillman, he wins on contact, didn't do that in preseason week one, did this past weekend, I thought, much better. And uh, Braxton Barriers locked in the slot wide receiver for Miami. Allen Robinson, slot wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The most fake news of this show was you saying the 14 player ranking changes after we just named. I think that was about 58. Well, we tried to combine two into one, and I did my yeah. best to make it one hour, but it's going to go over. Okay. Over deliver. Shout out to producer Weaves. If he gets this under two hours or one hour somehow, uh, <laughs> he's the man. Go and subscribe just for producer Weaves. Be part of that 30%. And you 70 percenters out there who watch and don't subscribe, what are you doing? You're going to lose your league. It's that simple. All right. We'll be back tomorrow for a, a new type of show. Be on the lookout for it. And then later on this week, a couple of cheat code videos for you to help win your league. Up the villa. We'll talk to y'all soon.